This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Ah, uh, that annoying, I mean difficult, coworker. You know the one, they get under your skin every time you interact with them. Well, today I'm going to teach you the top seven difficult types of coworkers and my effective tools to deal with each one. It's time to move from frustrated and stuck to a more connected and collaborative relationship. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm a practicing psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven with over 35 years of experience helping people just like you. Join me as I teach you actionable tips and strategies to create connection, joy, and ease in all your relationships. So let's get to it. Well, hi there. Welcome back. It is the podcast. You know where you are. I don't, I don't think I have to remind you and spend time on that. Today is a really great topic. This is um, something I presented. I can't remember what organization I presented this to many years ago, but it's it's a favorite. It's something that actually became part of their curriculum. and. Um, it's something I've I created, you know, as many of you know, my I have a master's in counseling psychology, but my PhD is in organizational psychology. And I worked in business for many years, and that's still what I also do in addition to this. And it's it's one of my great loves is working with organizations and leaders and teams and all that good stuff. And so what I'm talking about today, I really know about. And so many of you have written in asking about, listen, I've got a shitty coworker, or I have someone I can't get along with, or my boss, or my this, or my that. And so when I'm talking about coworkers today, I am talking about your bosses too. Like, it can be anybody that you work with in some way. And I understand that having a boss is a different power relationship dynamic, obviously, than a coworker. But you'd be surprised how much absolutely fits if you open your mind a little bit. I think a lot of people just have a very, um, like, I just can't, like a victim kind of mentality when it comes to their boss. And I don't, as you know, I don't put up with that crap. So let's get to it. Uh, if you haven't 
uh, listened to my TEDx yet. Have you not listened to the TEDx yet? If you go to, I'll link to it in the show notes, but if you go to, uh, you know, YouTube, put in Abby Metcalf TED Talk, it will pop right up there. It's the real reason relationships fail. And I would love it if you watched it, shared it, uh, liked it, maybe left a lovely comment if you like it, <laughs> which I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, but it's, it's, you know, helpful information for you. And it's great to get my TEDx out there more. I did it a few years ago, but it's occurring to me I haven't really talked about it much. So let's talk. So we, you know, before we talk about these seven difficult types of coworkers, we have to talk first about who bugs the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna swear a little today. I'm a little spicy today. I'm actually doing the podcast today at the end of the day. I normally do it first thing in the morning when I have tons of energy. But here it is the end of the day and I still have tons of energy. Not the end, it's like four o'clock here in California. Um, but I, yeah, I generally, so my makeup is from, you know, 12 hours ago. If you're watching me on YouTube, be kind. Uh, but anyway, yeah, but I'm feeling it. I was just feeling it. I had this energy and I thought, I'm just gonna go for it because I was excited to talk about this. So everybody has an Achilles heel of some kind, even me. I, I, for example, don't do great with kind of victim-y stuff. As you know, I don't put up with it on here. You know, you can better believe I don't put up with it when I'm working with, with executives or assistants or whoever. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like the victim thing. It pisses me off. I try not to let it piss me off. But because I'm a control freak, as you know, uh, I do sometimes get pissed off. But Anyway, but everybody's got something. I happen to know that that's my big trigger, so I'm pretty careful around it. The, the key is always to identify who bugs you and then take a minute to think about why. We're so busy thinking about how much we hate them or how much they annoy us or what an asshole they are or whatever, we forget it's about us. <laughs> what characteristics do they have? What kind of personality uh, traits, you know, situations or people tend to trigger you. Likely, by the way, it's the same type of person in your personal life as, as your work life. So as always, whatever I'm teaching you about personal relationships can be applied to work. And as I'm talking about work today, can certainly apply to personal relationships. But don't, if in your head, it's all about them and their problems, you're on the wrong track already. So the deal is to stop seeing them as the enemy and to stop complaining about them. What, you know, think about it. What's the story you're telling yourself about this person? What have you decided is a fact and what else could be true? Or, you know, what other narrative could you have to describe this person or the situation? So that is always the first thing to kind of notice. What, who's that type of person that is again, your Achilles heel, you're, you're the person that gets under your particular skin, because that's where you want to be the most self-aware. That's where you really want to, you know, really have it on point. Okay. So let's talk about, <laughs> yeah, I burped. I just burped. Is that okay? I'm fine. Do you still love me? See, this is what happens too when you later, because I ate something for lunch. That's, that's what happens guess now I'm learning why I do it earlier. There you go, because I haven't eaten. All right, anyway, continuing on. So the seven types of difficult coworkers and how to deal with them. I'm giving you specific love for each and every type. So the first type, type one, 
is what I call the borderline coworker. They now I did an entire um episode on borderlines. I'll link to it in the show notes or you can search for it on the website or on whatever um platform you're using if you search borderline Abby Metcalf. <laughs> I'm not borderline, but that should come up together. Um you can listen to that one. And I want to be clear as I talk about all of these that we are not here to diagnose other people. I can't diagnose people without meeting them and working with them. So don't get in your, I hear people say, oh, they're bipolar. They're a narcissist. They're this, they're that. Get, just shut up. Like, stop that. Stop that shit. It, it's now you're judging and criticizing and doing all the things you hate that they do. So let's not, okay? Let's not. Having said that, I am talking about someone who falls into, I, this was just the best way to describe the person. And sometimes they are really borderline, but sometimes they just have what I like to say, borderline tendencies. That's a little more loving, isn't it? Okay. So this is that coworker where they love you one minute and hate you the next. They seem to cause trouble everywhere. <laughs> they'll, go, they'll go from sweet, loving, to furious and lashing out at you, there's always a lot of intensity. There's intense feelings. They last a long time. There's conflict. There's instability. There's a lot of chaos in their life. And you likely know about the chaos. You've likely been introduced to it in some ways. So you might have heard about, you know, there's a rumor that there was a suicide attempt or cutting or uh, the, or abortions or unplanned pregnancies or accidents or fights. Uh, lawsuits at previous jobs, sexually transmitted diseases, physical issues, chronic pain, there's, there's stuff. And again, you know, all of us maybe have had some of these things, but it doesn't mean our entire work life, everybody at work knows about it, right? So there, there's this level where the boundaries are not very intact and everybody knows. And their personal life will absolutely, absolutely interfere with their work life uh, quite a bit often. They tend to not keep jobs actually for very long. So this might be the person that you meet who's maybe even floated around the agency a few times, been switched from jobs. I hate when people do that. They don't like somebody, so they judge them all. Instead of firing them, they put them off to the next person. But anyway, uh, or they have a job where there's a ton of autonomy, where they can just do their craziness and people don't notice. That's the only times I've seen them last long time in a job. So. We often say, we meaning psychologists or mental health professionals, will say that people who have these borderline tendencies are self-loathing narcissists. <laughs> it's something, I know, it sounds, it sounds like oxymoron there. You're like, what? It, it's like, everyone is against me because I'm so special. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's this weird way that they, uh, I shouldn't say weird, I say with love. Uh, borderline's a real thing. If you're listening and you have it, you, you know it's you. So, uh, and please know I'm saying it with love. I, you know, there's many a borderline I've loved in my life. Um, but there is that thing going on and you should be self-aware if it's you. And if it's not you, it might sound really familiar. And you're like, oh, that's what's going on. They, borderlines will definitely, or people with borderline tendencies will definitely have a selective memory so that means what happens is you won't get kind of money in your savings account with this person. You know, in all of our relationships, we have kind of money that money in the account, I call it. We have goodwill that gets built up when we've had a good relationship for a long time. But that's not true for this coworker. 
the fact that you've been maybe helping them out at work for years, you've been covering for them or helping them or, you know, doing their projects for them or adding their name to things they shouldn't be on or you've been amazing, but then you do the one thing that really pisses them off and it's like, you're, you're an asshole and you're going, how is that possible? I have been amazing to you for years and years. But that's what I mean. You don't have, there's like no money in the bank. You, you can't take any withdrawals ever with someone who has more borderline tendencies. Um, they'll get really pissed off and they can turn on you very quickly. There's also something we call uh, projection and projection identification, which basically means they, they'll accuse you of being horrible for so long that you actually become horrible. <laughs> they, they'll accuse you for so long of, you know, not having their back or, you know, throwing them under the bus and things you never did. But then after a while, they're creating so much craziness that you do throw them under the bus or, you know, you do say something about them or you do. And then you seem like that person. They'll get very polarized about people. You know, again, you're either the angel or the devil in their life. There's no middle ground. When I've, um, whenever I've worked at rehabs or hospitals or any kind of uh, agency where, you know, a mental health agency, where borderlines were diagnosed, it was always a thing you had to look for was what counselors would they like and what which would they hate? And you would play with that. You would work with that when trying to help this person. Um, and I've certainly had them in my private practice before. Um, and yeah, they're, they'll go from, boy, loving me, thinking I'm, the, I'm amazing and who could be better and I'm so lucky to have you to absolutely thinking I'm horrible when I say something they don't like or when I draw a boundary or something like that. So let's talk about tips for dealing with the coworker with borderline tendencies. So the first is to really remember super, super duper, duper, super duper. Did I say super? Did I say duper? Clear boundaries. <laughs> Dare I say even rigid. Really what you want to think about all the time with um, people with borderline tendencies is a lot of containment, a lot of, you know, it's only this, it stops here, it starts there, very, very clear. Even, I would say in this case, even kind of rigid boundaries, but you don't, you never, you always wanna be loving. I, and when I say loving, I know we're talking about coworkers. So I'm talking about kind, compassionate, thoughtful, okay? So I'm not saying like be in love with them. I'm saying, you know, I use that term to cover the kind of love-based emotions, right? All right, just wanna be clear. So have those clear boundaries, but again, with sort of a loving intent, okay, a compassionate, kind intent. All right. The other tip is know you'll be either good or bad and don't try to change it. Just understand it. Just know it comes with the territory. It's actually, again, part of the way that you knew that this person maybe has these tendencies is because of how sort of black and white they are with you. So don't try to change it. Don't try to argue it. Yeah, but I did all these things for you. And but don't just leave it. Just leave it. Uh, stick to your plans. Don't let their urgency drive you. And some of you are listening right now going, but that's, but my boss is like this. I understand. By the way, your boss, someone could be having an urgent, you know, again, always be careful with things I'm saying to you. You know, don't use some big broad brushstroke about everybody. Um, but if you, let's say you have a boss who, you know, gets very urgent and, and plans go up in the air, that's a very hard person to work for. And I understand that. Um, 
it doesn't mean they're borderline, but it does still mean that you can use the tips. See how that works? I know. So you want to really stick to your plan. So if, let's say, your boss is doing that, you would want to come back and go, hey, you know, can we just, we need to stop for a minute. Uh, on Tuesday, we said we were going to do A, B, and C and have everything ready for this project by, you know, July 1st. And now you're saying you want G, F, and A, and now you want it by, you know, tomorrow. I, I, I just want to better understand why things change so drastically, why we're not sticking to our original plan, and what we can do to make this happen in a, in a you know, effective, successful way. And when you do that, I'm just telling you, because I've, again, worked at organizations for so, so long, I do it a lot. I, I get people throw their urgent crap on me too. It's not just you. <laughs> and that's what I do. I do what I'm telling you to do. And I, every time they're like, oh, oh, right. They've like forgotten something came down from above on them and they just, bleh. you know, even good bosses can do this stuff. And again, or coworkers or whoever it is. You're, you know, your job is not to jump just because someone said jump. It's like, stop. Now, you also don't want to appear like you're having, I know you're going to hear that word pushback. Well, I always get pushback when we try to change things with you. Um, that's, that's what they would say to me. And, and, I, and I would then talk about that. I was like, wow, so how am I supposed to say that I don't like something if it's always pushback? Is there another way you'd like me to say things? Because I don't feel like I'm pushing back. I feel like I'm asking questions. So tell me. How do I disagree with you? Or to me, I'm not even disagreeing in this case. I'm asking a quiet, I'm just curious. I'm curious because we had a plan and now it's a different plan. So I'm trying to figure out why it changed and how so I can be more motivated and understand the context of what's happening. And maybe I could even have a really good suggestion for how we can make this happen in the timeline you're now asking for. And what I find is that people back right off. You know, because they're just, again, throwing around shit. And, and what I'm doing is confronting them, but I'm not confronting them in some kind of harsh way. We, again, even hear that word confront and we think of like, you know, fighting. And it's just with your front, you know, calling in front, like with your front. It just means that you're being direct and direct I'm good at. So, you know, I got, I got no problem doing that. And again, I know people often take directness as rude or other things. And it's really because they're not used to boundaries and they're not used to it. That's all. Because so many people will then will go do it and then talk shit about them, about the person, you know, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't like to do that. I just like to ask them and, and I want to get on board somehow if I can, or I want to see if I can help or whatever. So stick to the plans and don't let urgency drive you. Deal with behavior, not the person. You know, the goal is really to have a solution. So Try not to get too caught up in their personality or what's happening. Just deal, deal with their behavior. <laughs> Talk about their behavior. So when you give feedback or you ask questions, don't, you know, you seem like you're kind of borderline. You know, you're over here and then you're over here. No, no, <laughs> don't, don't say them what they are. You hate it when people do it to you. Don't do it to them. And, and that's true for anything I'm about to talk about today. Instead, I want you to focus on you. You know, like, oh, okay, what is, what is it that I'm really trying to say? And then say it again about the behavior, not the person's personal characteristics. 
And then the last thing to really watch for is something that we call splitting in the psychologist's world, the mental health world. Splitting is something that borderlines do a lot where they kind of pit people against each other or splitting, you know, everyone does it when they're a kid. So, you know, when you, when your mother says no to something and then you go ask dad instead (laughs) and hope he says yes, that's splitting. You're you're looking around for the answer you want. You're pitting people against each other. You're now making it a mom, dad have to argue issue. And, and then you are hopefully going to get to go do the thing you want. This can happen at work. This can happen in adult relationships also. So watch for that. So sometimes this person will split or they'll say things to split. Like, um, you know, Rob in accounting said some shit about you. You know what I mean? They'll start, you know, kind of gossiping or saying things like, Oh, they, you know, I don't know. Joe didn't think you could do this project, but I said you could. You know, that's splitting and that gets into some weird territory. So just be careful, you know. Uh, sometimes they'll also lie. They'll tell their boss something and use something else. And then you're kind of left out, in the, you know, you're left hanging in the wind. So just be mindful. All right. The type two difficult coworker is the angry coworker. You know them dealing with these coworkers, you know, who are angry or aggressive or confrontational. It's friggin' exhausting is what it is. And they're, you know, they try to bulldoze you, they argue, they dominate. And, you know, you walk away, you feel sort of like inadequate and frustrated and upset and resentful. Uh, it, it doesn't feel good or cowed or bullied. There, there are a lot of reasons why people are angry or confrontational, and I'd say that almost all of them come down to control. Just telling you, just telling you, just believe me. The other person is angry because they fear losing control or they want more control. Again, it's just fear around control. So some specific reasons a coworker might act angrily, you know, are things really at the bottom Things like low self-esteem, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of insecurity. I know it doesn't seem that way when they're coming at you bullying, but that's what that is. You don't feel the need to be really angry unless you're defensive. You know, like, what do you, what's so upsetting? You know, unless you don't feel like you're on good ground or solid ground. The other reasons they're angry, sometimes they just always feel misunderstood or misheard or unheard or frustrated, mistreated. some people use anger to show that they're to feel superior or show dominance again, because they're insecure. You don't feel a need to do that unless you feel insecure. Uh, some to compete and win or, uh, you know, show, I'm going to show you that I'm better. And, or maybe because they, uh, they've got some sort of untreated or undertreated mental illness so they could have uh, depression. A lot of people are angry. It's a, that's a symptom of depression, anxiety, substance abuse all kinds of things, right? So any of those might be a reason, but what do you do? If someone's just, you know, that coworker, they're just always pissed and that, or it's their first reaction to everything. They might seem okay, but as soon as something gets suggested or you give feedback or anything else, they're pissed. So always remember that line I love from Celeste saying, you know, anger is the bodyguard of fear. So focus on their fear, not their anger. And you can do that by asking questions. You know, don't lecture, don't lecture but you can ask curious questions, which we talk about all the time, to try to understand better. Sometimes for me, I just go right at the anger. So when I'm doing something and someone, you know, reacts angrily, I'll stop and say, wow, I didn't realize this was going to piss you off so much. 
And of course, when you do that, people get defensive and they'll, and they'll often say, oh, I'm not pissed. You know, you need a very pissed off voice like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's what I saw. Can you tell me how you're feeling right now? What are you what are you thinking about what we're doing or what are your feelings about? What we're, and then keep them to a thought or a feeling. And what you'll find is they start to calm down because it's such a reaction. And when they're made aware of it, they often stop. So. Or they might give you the old, you know, well, anybody will be angry at this, you know, the way you're at, you know, what's being asked crazy or whatever. And you can just stop and say, well, uh, are you feeling like how you're talking to me is going to get us where we're trying to go? Like, what are you trying to accomplish right now? Are you trying to get me to back down? Are you, are you trying to get me to be angry with you and fight? Or are you, what, what are you trying to do? Because to me, anger is not going to be helpful for us at all. So what... And I'm telling you, people calm down. They 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 bluster maybe, or they sh or they shut down. The other thing they'll do is shut down. They're just like, well, I'll just be quiet then. And it's like, great, be quiet. It's better than your seething anger. Now, if they're sitting there quietly, but like making you know, <laughs> making noise, I call them out on that. I'm like, you know, you said you weren't angry. Now you're sitting there, frankly, pouting. I I don't know what to do. Do you want to just leave the room? Do you want to be here? Do you want to be an adult and have part of this conversation? Like, I'll really call them out but not in an like, aggressive way, but in a very direct way. And that brings me to my other tip, which be an assertive communicator. You know, at its core, right, when we really think about assertive communication, it comes from respect and compassion for yourself and the other person. It means, it means you care about others without worrying about others. So, being an assertive communicator is going to help you everywhere. I'm just going to say that. And I did an entire episode on assertive communication, which I'll link to in the show notes. Uh, you can also, again, on any platform you're listening to me on, if you put in assertive communication and my name, it'll come up. So, but being direct and assertive like that. So I'm being assertive, right? When I say that to somebody, I'm not losing my shit. I'm not losing control. And I'm not mad at the, I'm not. I, I'm very careful to not be, you know, passive aggressive or shitty. I, I just say the truth of what it is. Now, people have all kinds of reactions to that, again, because most people aren't used to it. But I find that things, you know, and I often will follow up and say, I want you here, Bob. You know, Bob, I want us to work this out. I don't want you to leave the room furious and not like, but I just wish you'd, you know, like use your words. Like, let's talk. Let's, let, I can't do it when you're so pissed off and kind of losing your mind. Like it doesn't work. So what do you need right now? Do you want to go take a break and we'll come back? Like, what do you need so you can be a productive member of this conversation? Because that is my goal. What, what can you, what has to happen next? Let's do it. And that will often bring somebody along. They'll say something like that. And, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, I, I guess I should just go take a quick walk. I'm like, great. And they come back and they often apologize. Often. Often. They'll come back and say, I'm sorry, I was an asshole before. I just, you know. And then they'll usually do something like, oh, I had a hard day at home or I had a fight with my wife before I came to work. You know, they'll give you some bullshit, which isn't true. But I don't care. It's like they're trying to save face. I'm like, it's cool with me. I'm like, hey, all good. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm glad we're going to talk now because I really want your input. And then I ask them questions. Your mantra is, I can't control what they're doing, but I can control my response. Ooh, that's your mantra. I can't control what they're doing, but I can control my response. The other thing I do is I ask them how they feel, like I just said. 
And often, again, they'll try to give you thoughts. You know, if I say how you feel and you're like, well, I, I think we should keep this moving along. And I feel like we're stopping unnecessarily. And, you know, and you're like, how, how, how do you feel? That's your thoughts. And people have a very hard time, once again, identifying feelings. <laughs> but remember, we connect with feelings, not thoughts. So getting them to the feeling is very, very important. Because then they can say, well, I'm feeling really frustrated or impatient. And then I can stop. This just this happened, not just, but this happened in the last few weeks with somebody I was sort of um, having this with. I was trying to help a team. And, and the gentleman said, he goes, well, you know, I have a lot of other work to do. And I was really hoping to get to it today. You know, I have to leave this meeting and do that. And now I'm going to have to stay here late because we're going deeper, you know, on this thing. And I was like, oh, well, well, let's hold on. I don't want you here till 10 o'clock at night. So let's stop for a minute. Uh, can anybody and you know what happened they went and got his assistant he left for maybe 10 minutes and he showed her something he needed done and then he came back like it was just like a quick problem solving it's just amazing but what that's often why people are angry in a moment because they're seeing something that they're going to lose they have some other agenda that you're not aware of but when you get to the feelings you can finally get to that agenda generally so you just want you know, a, a shift in trajectory of the conversation, getting and getting the person in the here and now will often stop aggression. They're, they're scared. They're scared. So if you can get them into the moment and to a place where they don't need, feel a need to defend themselves, you know, the aggression calms down. So, and just remember, like with everything, hold your boundary, be clear. If someone is angry enough, you know, I'm clear at some point about what I'm going to do or not do. So if someone's real, you know, obviously if I'm feeling threatened, that's a whole other thing, but most of the time I'm not. It's more that I, I do feel kind of bullied or something. And I'll just say to them, this feels bullying. I, I can't have it. I can't like, that is not going to work in our relationship. So either I'm going to, either I'm going to leave the room or you need to, or, or you need to calm down or we need to go get a supervisor. Like we need to do something, but I'm not going to stay in the room like this. And then sometimes the person will be like, oh, I'll, you know, all right, I'll sit you know, with all that attitude and I'll, I'll say, no, I'm like, nope, nope. You're not past this, which means this is still in the room. So we need to, we need to fix it. We need to come to a resolution. So, but most, a lot of times people are just so uncomfortable and so happy that the person is shutting up that they don't actually uh, move forward in a healthy way. And so, you know what I mean? And, and really resolve the problem. So just remember that their reactions are 100% about them, no matter how much they might try to, you know, deflect or, or place them on you. You know, what others say and do is always a projection of their own reality, you know, end of, right? It's, it's 100% about them. So just, I, I, I want, yeah, I always want you to keep that in mind. And again, uh, how to be an assertive, I think an effective communicator, you can find that and I'll link to it. Type three, is the identified patient coworker. Okay, so this is a good one. So in the mental health field, we often speak about something called the identified patient or IP. And this is that person who's been identified for treatment or they're the scapegoat in the family. They're the problem in a family. Um, obviously, if I'm like, if, when I'm getting called in with an executive in trouble, they're the IP, you know, they, they're the drug addict or the alcoholic or the whatever, you know, I'm getting called in. You know, there's always that, you know, this person at work. And again, sometimes they might have borderline tendencies. Sometimes they might be super angry. You know, it might be attached to one of the other ones, 
but sometimes they're very likable. They're just driving you nuts. There's so much going on with them. So what happens is this kind of person was sort of an identified patient at home in their family of origin, and then they bring that same role to work. So there's always an issue, always, always an issue. <laughs> um, it could be a mental health issue <clears throat> that you know you know all about their depression, their anxiety. It could be like unresolved grief. You know they had a they had their their dad died two years ago, and you're still hearing about that. Uh, which again, I'm, I'm not beating on anybody who's had a parent die or something and is having a hard time getting over it. But if you're at work two years later and you're still bringing it up, it, that I don't know. No, you need to go take care of that. Um, that's yeah. It's okay if you're talking about it at home, but not at work. It's work. Uh, an issue, you know, they have an issue with their parents, with their wife, with their pet, with their third cousin, with their third cousin's pet, you know, or, or you. <laughs> they have an issue with you. No matter what, they'll focus on anything but the real issue. That's the IP client. So when you're dealing with this, the tips for dealing with the IP coworker is really one thing. Stay in the here and now with what's happening right now. It's not about their mom. It's not about the cat. It's not about their car breaking down again. It's not about, don't feed the story. I know you're trying to show empathy and you think that's it, but really what you end up doing is showing sympathy because you feel bad that the person's dad died or their car broke down again or their whatever. And empathy, I love because empathy, you don't do nothing. You don't get dragged in. You don't do anything. Sympathy, member is the thing where you do stuff. And you're like, oh, well, all right. Well, maybe you could leave work early. Or why don't we see if so-and-so can take your project or what? No, 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 no. Obviously, if someone's dad died yesterday, yeah, of course, jump in there. Sympathy is a good thing. But I, you know, I'm not talking about that. You know, this person just always has kind of, and again, they could be have some borderline tendencies, always having an emergency. But it's also something else where you often just think like, God, this person. <laughs> so. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, my favorite thing to say is, I hear you, and how are we going to deal with this now? That's what I do. I do it over and, and I and like a friggin' mantra over and over. Cause trust me, they'll be like, oh yeah, I know I have to be here now. And I know I can't take off for work because I've already used all my personal time. I'm just saying, I'm like, uh-huh, I got that. But again, you're not doing your work right now. So what do we have to do? Like what has to happen? How do we deal with this now? And I don't take it on. I don't start problem solving. I don't start giving examples. I leave that to them. 
Do you have any ideas? What are you just going to get to work? Do you need something else? Let's hear it. Like, let's get to it. And again, if they start to tell their story again, just stop and say, you know what? I, I can't get involved in this story. I certainly have so much sympathy for what you're going through, but I can't get involved in the story because we have, uh, we have this project that has to be in tomorrow. So what I'm asking is, how are we going to deal right now with you feeling like you can't work? What, what are we going to do right now? And often the person friggin' gets to work. I'm just telling you, it happens a lot. Again, when you just keep them really laser focused like that. All right. Type four is the negative, blaming, complaining, victim, coworker. You know them. So they're not just angry. A lot of times they're not even angry at all. They don't seem angry, <clears throat> but they are complaining and they are negative. They don't like their job, their desk chair, what they had for lunch, they're their boss. Uh, anytime someone gives feedback, they're, they get really defensive and they deflect. When someone new joins the team, they notice all their negative aspects and we'll, they'll, oh, the team's really going to go to hell now that, you know, we've done this. And it's doomsday until it's time to, you know, sign off or go home. They've always had lousy bosses. They've always been treated unfairly. Trust me, you know this person. <laughs> so my tips for dealing with this kind of coworker are to absolutely use direct communication to communicate the impact their negative behaviors have on you and your coworkers and the office environment, right? That is the biggie. So I, so I will often say something like, you know, I'll just say, you know, Joe, <laughs> hey, Joe, I, I, I don't know if you're aware, but you're complaining a lot. And for me, it just really brings me down. I would appreciate if you have something kind of negative to say about something, you just keep it to yourself. Or go to your boss. If you have something negative, go to your boss. If you're worried about us or your chair or whatever, go to your boss. Like, I can't work in this environment. I just say it very directly. Yeah, the person usually doesn't like me. That's right. They don't. There's a lot of people who don't like me. Some of you listening right now don't really like me. Um, why would you? Come on. You're going to hurt my feelings. No, you're not. It, you know, it is. I, I just accept it as a fact of life. Not everyone's going to like you. It's just impossible. So you, you, you don't want to make that the thing. And again, I'm not mean when I'm now. So people would think that's mean. Oh, it's so mean. I can't believe you talked to him that way. Why is that mean? And why isn't what he's doing to me mean? What he's doing to me is mean. I'm trying to get my work done. And this person keeps complaining about every friggin' thing. And so that's what's mean is that he is trying to pull me where he is. I, I don't, that's, that's bullying in a way to me, really, because he's trying to manipulate me and drag me where in his icky place. No, thanks. I keep saying this is men and I know women can do all this too. I'm just saying I'm aware. Okay. Uh, you can say, I, you know, I hear your complaints about, insert topic here. What can you do right now to feel better about this? All right, Jane. I, I hear that this sucks. I hear whatever. What do you want to do right now to feel better? Right now, right this minute, what can we do? You know, you get them again, here and now, right now. Or I'll say something like, uh, we'll get back to your complaints in a minute. First, you know, can you tell me what this is reminding you of right now? Like it's, you've got a lot of stuff going on. What is this reminding you of? What is, what's going on? What's really going on? And that connection to feeling that like, connection to really wanting to understand someone my what happens when people stop blustering is they often come back and say thank you so much no one's ever asked or you know 
So overall, really what I want you to look for, if you remember, I've talked about this before, like what I call crave. Because when any of these are present, you need to stop a conversation because it's seriously like speaking to a drunk person. So crave, C-R-A-V-E. <clears throat> so if they're criticizing, if they're expecting you to read their mind or you're supposed to read theirs, you knew what I meant or you should have known or whatever. If they're attacking you, if they're, act, you know, C-R-A-V, if they're acting like a victim and blaming you and being acting like a victim, or E, if they're acting entitled to something, when any of that's going on, get the hell out of Dodge because nothing is happening. There's no convincing a person. There's no bringing them back around. Start again later. Just everybody get a break and start again. Okay. Type five is the gossiping coworker. Oh, oh yeah. You might be thinking right now, I think I'm the gossip. Uh, gossiping in the workplace, I have to, and there's a lot of research on this, but it's always detrimental. I just need to say it creates, it really creates a, a icky work environment because it's distracting people from their jobs. That's number one. And, and more importantly to me, it undermines the trust in, you know, trust in the workplace. Because if you're gossiping about me, about Joe, I know you'll gossip about me. And now, right, and now I know something about Jane or Joe and, and do, does, does, you know, Juan know? Does this person know? Does Philip know? Like, it gets so friggin' weird um, and trust really uh, crumbles. So gossip in the workplace, is, it's a very difficult thing. And you, again, you might hate this person because they're always gossiping and it's just driving you nuts. So my tips for dealing with the gossiping coworker Number one, try to stay out of the gossipy conversations and avoid sharing details of your own personal life. Really, just if this is going on at work, just shut that person out in that way. Uh, really don't get involved in the conversations. When they start to have them, you can say the truth. You know, I feel like this is gossip. I don't like to be part of gossip. I'm going to walk away. And I do that as opposed to you're gossiping and it's not okay. And, you know, I don't lecture but I'll, I will say that. I'm like, this feels like gossip. I just say it. It feels like gossip. I, I'm not saying you did it, but I'm, but for me, I'm, and I'll say I'm uncomfortable. So I'm gonna walk away. When you do that, by the way, know that they, she's this person, she or he is then going to gossip about you. Yeah. Don't think just women gossip, men gossip too. They're going to gossip about you. <laughs> uh, you also have to let go of the idea that gossip in the work, in the office can really be controlled because it, it, just focus on your own behavior. Focus on setting a good example for others. That's all you can do, you know? And I think gossip is less of an issue now that we're so much more of a remote workforce, but it's still there. I have certainly been on a Zoom call meeting, right? Where someone's direct messaging me either on my phone or in the chat, um, talking shit about somebody. So gossiping happens all the time. Uh, the other thing you can do if you if you think gossip has happened is you can directly question them and ask what they said and, you know, bring people together if you need to. If there's a lot of when I'm working, you know, with an organization or a team or something and there's a gossip has been a thing or they're telling me someone said something, you know, I'm like, that's gossip. Is that real? Do we know what they said? Did they really say that? Did they not? What was the context? So I'll bring everybody in the room and I'm like, Jake, you know. Marla here says, you said this, like, did that happen? How did it happen? What were the circumstances? You know, you bring people together to really understand what went down because 
you'd be surprised. So, and I, I often will tell someone who's gossiping the impact their behavior is having on me. You know, that it's, again, like this negative person. I just tell them like, I got to tell you, I just feel shitty when I have these conversations. I don't want to do it. For me personally, in my life, like, I don't, you know, I don't follow any Kardashian, nor have I ever. I don't, I'm not on social media. I, social media feels like gossip to me most of the time. It really does. It's why I'm sort of on social media, you know, doing this and I'm on the way I am where I'm not, you know, I've been asked many, many times uh, to, you know, talk about celebrities and what they're going through or, talk, you know, I just, I don't want any part of it. I just don't, I don't want to talk about it. And it, it's fine when people do, I, I'm not throwing shade at people that do that. I actually have a good friend who has a wonderful podcast where they kind of talk about like different shows like Sister Wives and whatever. Um, it's totally cool. God bless. Go, go at it. It's just not for me. It, it's, it's not something I have interest in because it makes me feel bad. That's what happens. When I walk away, I don't feel better. I feel worse. Um, so, you know, not for me, but if it feels really good to you, I guess that's something different you'll have to look at, right? Uh, you know, what level it is for you. So again, I'm not judging you. Don't judge me. We, you know, we're all here loving each other, but just be aware. And again, be aware that anytime you intervene with a gossiper, it's going to become gossip. <laughs> so I mostly often try to stay away from it and out of it. Um, you know, until I, unless I can't, but otherwise I, you know, or if again, if I'm, if I'm somewhere and I, I need to speak to it directly because of the role I'm in, um, then I will. All right. Type six is one near and dear to my heart because I am one. It's the control freak coworker. Oh yeah. Let your freak flag fly. Is this you? It's me. You know it's me. I talk about it all the time. I do episodes on this. I, I'm always talking about it. I have to move my seat. Hold on one second. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm always talking about, right, the, this issue of control. And there are a few very specific ways that control freaks show up at work. I say freak. I'm just saying it. It's okay. We're okay. We can label ourselves and, and love it. And control enthusiast, whatever you want to say. So there's a few specific ways I've seen that it shows up in the office or I've noticed myself doing. Uh, one is micromanagement, obviously, right? They have an opinion on every little thing you do, the right way to do it. There's a right way and a wrong way, you know, or, 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 or their way and a wrong way kind of thing. Um, manipulation, you feel manipulated into doing what they want, although often you don't even realize that happened until afterwards. There's sometimes emotionally bullying behavior and which like constant criticism, taunting, gaslighting, that kind of stuff. Interrupting, a, a consistent pattern of interrupting you or speaking over you in conversations that's controlling, making decisions without including you. I can't tell you how many times that's happened, that I have been the head of something like a project or a team. And then someone else got the team together and did something and didn't include me, <laughs> didn't send me anything, like nothing. Like, are you kidding? You know, uh, and I've, early in my career, I would do shit like that. I, I haven't in the last 20 years, I think. But I mean, not that I'm perfect, as we know. Um, but you know what I mean? I did that stuff really when I didn't realize what a control freak I was. I was like, oh, I just not think, I would just do. Um, attacking you when you confront them you know if you draw a boundary like please don't speak to me in that way they'll likely attack you you know why are you yelling at me i was just trying to help you know 
because they're always trying to help and you know or they know the right way it'll save you time they say things like that to you um <laughs> they and sometimes they'll accuse you of being controlling which is kind of funny but anyway um you know and just going outside the scope of their job stepping over boundaries you know really not quite getting uh i will often come in to a situation at a you know in a team or with some executives and there's some control freak who there's somebody or you know and it's not always them but somebody was already counseling them somebody was already deciding or or one memorable time this is years ago i got called in and the person didn't know didn't know they did all this it was their like assistant found me hired me sent me i the whole thing i just assumed I hadn't met them yet. I did meet one other like supervisor and I show up to talk to this executive and he's like, who are you and what are you doing here? You know, yeah, that's like craziness. So tips for dealing with the control freak coworker or obviously could be a boss or whatever. So you got to figure out your boundaries and stick to them. I talk about boundaries all the time. You know, uh, you got to stick to them. That's really what it's true for all of these. Don't try to control a control freak. It's not going to work. Don't get into a power struggle. Don't get into a power struggle. Check in with your gut. I talk about the I feel formula a lot. It's a good one with control freaks. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can download it for free. Um, the I feel formula, I feel when you and I need, is such a great way to cut through controlling people. So I feel. Um, bullied and overwhelmed when you make a, put appointments on my when you make appointments and put them on my schedule without asking me uh and i need i need you and i to have better communication i need us to stop and talk about this um they no matter what the response is you know you just have to stick with the i feel because they might be like well i was just trying to help <laughs> the famous line of the controller uh it's my famous line that's what i say all the time uh, I was just trying to help you, you know, and you, again, you just stop. And so, and I'm telling you that it wasn't helpful because I feel angry and resentful and out of control when you, um, hijack my calendar without informing me. And I need for us to discuss it. I want to talk about, you know, what happens for you when you're trying to help me, how we can make sure you're helping me and not hurting me, you know, whatever. And then obviously don't just say, and we need to communicate better and walk away because that's not going to do anything. You have to get into some sort of action step after that. Okay. And then there's type seven, our favorite, the narcissistic gaslighting coworker. And again, we're not going to diagnose anyone. Let's just say narcissistic tendencies. And you can gaslight with, you know, without being a narcissist. I know people find this hard to believe, but it happens. It's only because it's such a common, common thing. You know, you might be very uncomfortable with someone like your partner. Maybe you said something to your partner and they started crying. And you're, you say to them like, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean it. I feel like you're taking this too seriously. I meant this another way. You're not, you weren't understanding what I was trying to tell you. That's gaslighting, you know, in a way, right? You're, you're trying to, it really depends on your motivation, you know, because mate, like you're just trying to cover your ass, right? You did say the thing, you know, you did. <laughs> you wish you hadn't meant it. You wish you hadn't said it that way. 
but and you weren't expecting this kind of you know reaction and so you sort of backtrack backpedal and kind of make it their fault right for what you said that that's a little form of gas i mean it's like baby gaslighting i don't you know don't feel like you need to go get diagnosed and you know go to therapy but i'm just saying that it can not always go together i i get i get lots of blowback on this sometimes but i'm just telling you so again we're not going to diagnose anyone or anything like that but and i did an entire episode i did an episode on narcissism i've done them on gaslighting so go check them out and you can go deep there but if someone has narcissistic tendencies, you'll see things like self-centeredness. You know, it's all about them all the time. There's a sense of entitlement. Uh, they need constant praise or reassurance. Um, they act like a victim or, or blame you or others when things go wrong. You know, they never take responsibility. They sometimes exaggerate their successes and achievements. They'll monopolize conversations, uh, belittle or put down others. Um, you know, in sort of an effort to make themselves feel superior. Generally, they react negatively to any feedback or criticism, and there's really just little or kind of no self-awareness. When we're talking about gaslighting is when you've got that more specific kind of, so, you know, people with narcissistic tendencies do tend to gaslight. But like I said, other people can gaslight too. Um, criticizing or putting you down, you know, maybe in some subtle ways. Uh, you know, oh, late again, you're, you're so disorganized. I guess I should be happy you showed up at all, something like that. Sometimes it's complete denial of the facts. I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened, that kind of thing. You, you weren't at the meeting when I said that. Uh, telling you what you're feeling or invalidating your feelings. You know, oh, you're just being paranoid. You're, you're too sensitive. You're making a mountain out of a molehill obviously telling actual lies and making you question like what you happened. Sometimes they'll project onto you what they're doing. Uh, you, you know, you keep asking me if I'm lying. I think you're the one that's lying and you've got a guilty conscience. That's my, one of my, <laughs> that's happened to me before <laughs> someone saying that I was like, Whoa. Um, again, accusing you of being too something too emotional, too sensitive you know, overly something, that kind of thing. Sometimes it's thinking they do more than they do. That happens. I know. They, they feel like they were like all about, you know, in a project, they were all up in it and they really weren't. They did nothing or the, or the thing they did contribute was actually a very small part of it. Or sometimes uh, they'll contribute something, but it's kind of after you needed it. So it doesn't even matter anymore because they took so long to get it to you. Um, but then it's included. You're like, all right, we'll include this. But it didn't really help you get to the conclusion. Um, but they think it did. Uh, so they'll And they'll say things, you know, I'm always doing all the work around here. I'm the only one who cares about this project, that kind of stuff. Trying to turn other people against you or hurt your credibility with them. Uh, you know, you might hear, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Rachel's work. You should think twice about promoting her. Some bullshit like that. So again, that could be a gossipy person who's also maybe leaning towards um, some gaslighting. It could be, again, a combination of these things. But let's talk about tips for dealing with a narcissistic or narcissistic person with narcissistic tendencies or gaslighting coworker. And really, it's about focusing on yourself and not them. You got to get out of the emotional blackmail of trying to keep them happy. It's not, it's not going to work. 
do not, do not, do not focus on changing them. You have to focus on changing your reaction to them, which means you need to set those boundaries and keep them. Your job is to be abundantly clear about your boundaries, you know, whatever boundaries are important to you. So, and I'm going to, you know, reiterate that it's not a boundary if you state a standard. That's not a boundary. That's a standard. So if you state what you want, your wants, the thing you think you need is a standard. That's great. It's great to have good high standards. The problem is when you don't do anything on the other side, just complain about it or whatever, you got to have some teeth there. There has to be some kind of consequence or response when your boundaries are trampled, when your standards aren't upheld. You have to be upfront about that. Okay. So I want to give you some final tips for dealing with all your coworkers, just four quickie final tips. It's so no matter where people fall, these are kind of umbrella things to think about, okay? Because again, somebody might be a combo of these, or maybe you have a problem with someone at work who doesn't fit into one of these categories. One is loving detachment. Again, did a whole episode on that. I've done lots of stuff on loving detachment before. You absolutely should listen. I think it's one of the most important skills you can possibly have. And loving detachment is just that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a boundary instead of a wall. And it's, it's not based on how I feel about you. It's how I feel about me in relation to you. What I do, the boundary I draw, isn't based on how I feel in a moment. If I'm angry, it doesn't change my boundary. If I'm pleased, I don't change my boundaries with you. you doesn't matter. Boundaries aren't about my feelings in a moment about you. They're about me. They're about, they're consistent. They're the same. You're, you know, you're not going to change someone else's personality is another thing to realize. It's about managing again, how they impact you. And you can feel compassion for someone else without having to act on it. Again, that's sympathy when you act on it. You can be there for another person without taking any action or even saying anything. Just want to remind people that. The second thing I want to say overall is you always have to use the frame or the lens the filter. Do you want to be correct or effective? Do you want to be correct or effective? You have to concentrate your energy on problem solving instead of being right. Yes. With that said, you know, I want I've been in a lot of situations where everybody was right. It's possible for two people or two teams to be a hundred percent correct and a hundred percent reasonable and still disagree. Because you, you can have different perceptions and values and definitions and ways of thinking. So get away from the right and wrong and get into options, creativity, solutions, new things, brainstorming. Go there, go there. The third tip I want to say for everybody is to go into discussions or meetings or whatever with the right intention. <laughs> When you're assuming bad things, it's, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Congratulations, you're going to be right. So go in, you know, set up for success. I do, again, I've got lots of other episodes on that. And then the last one, which I talk about, you knew I was going to talk about this one. You knew I'm going to say this for everything. Be mindful. If you're practicing mindfulness daily, you'll catch yourself before you get too far down the rabbit hole in these sort of you know, in negative interactions with these people that are driving you crazy. Learn, you, I, can t- I say it all the time, I can teach you every great tool in the world, but if you don't remember to use them when you need them, you, it's not helping. 
So you've got to be mindful. You have to be in your moments to stop, to notice your reactions, to not get pulled in, to think about correct or effective, to lovingly detach, to ask a direct question. To, you know, you have to be mindful to do all that. You can't do it without it because your intention won't be there in a good way. You're, the loving part of detachment and intention won't be there. So the kindness, the curiosity, the openness, the willingness are not there. You're just going to be kind of rotely, you know, interrogating someone. That's, that's not what we're going for. Does that hopefully make sense? Okay. So <laughs> that's it. Wow. That was a lot, wasn't it? I feel like I gave you a lot there. I hope I, you know, I always hope I've given you so much to think about and um, just so many options and, and ways of, of dealing with, uh, you know, whatever's in front of you. And because so many people wrote in about work, I really wanted to give you something really meaty to take to work and have some, all these different tools to think about at work. So remember to come over if you want the I Feel formula. There's also a, the free mindfulness starter kit if you haven't gotten it yet. Hello. If, uh, please go, we'll link for it. We'll link to my TED Talk. And again, you could just search for it on YouTube. Um, you know, give that a like. And if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Why aren't you subscribing? Leave a little comment. I'm going to start like answering comments more. <laughs> I'm going to make that more of my life um, because I really love my YouTube tribe so much and my entire podcast tribe, obviously. So thank you for being here with me. I love you. Love you. Love you. Love you so much. I just adore you. I know you can do this. You can be happy at work. You can have a, a fruitful, expansive, clear, loving, great work life, and you deserve it. All right. Have an amazing week, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Kristen. And this is Jen from My Mom So Hard. And we're here to talk about by heart. Do you remember when you were nursing and you were like, I want to give the best thing I can to my baby? 
Well, we've got that for you. It's called By Heart, and it is a infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code MOMS20 for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Tell them my mom so hard sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.